You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So if you have your Bible today, this is where we're going to go. We're going to go to 1 John chapter 3 and verse 8. It's on the right-hand side, almost all the way to the end. And uh, it's a really cool story. Kevin Hart, the comedian, how many know who he is? Kevin Hart was struggling to be a comedian and an entertainer. He had big aspirations, but he was struggling to get going in Hollywood. His mother was a strong Christian and gave him a Bible, and he was struggling to pay his rent. And month after month, he kept calling and going, hey, mama, I I need some money for rent. I need some money for rent. I'm way behind. I need you to pray. She goes, well, have you read your Bible? No, mom, I don't got time to read my Bible. You do that. You're a Christian. You do all that. Well, it's in the Word. There's life in the Word. So every month she kept calling, and he kept calling, and they're about to evict him. This went on for about six months, and he goes, Mom, I'm at the end. They're going to evict me. I have nowhere else to go. I'm in trouble. She goes, have you continued to go to the Word? Have you gone to the Word yet? Have you gone to the Bible? You opened up your Bible. Mama, I don't got no flipping time for the Bible. I'm trying to write jokes, he kept saying. She says, you need to go to the Bible or else you're going to stay broke. That's <laughs> what so she said. He cussed her aloud. He goes, fine, I'll read my blankety-blank Bible. He opened the Bible, and true story, there was his mother had put in six months' worth of rent into that Bible, and he lived void of all of that provision because he never opened up the Word. There's a lot of people that live in broke because they never open up the Bible for themselves. The good news is if you're broke, you don't got to stay broke. Come on. There are no poor people. Only poor people that are the people without vision. When you open up this word, it changes you. Mark 4, 24 says the measure of thought and study you give to the truth you hear will be the measure of virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. What you sow is what you reap. When I became a believer, I got on fire for God because once you touch fire, you don't want to live in smoke. Let me just say that one more time. When you touch fire, you don't want to live in smoke. You know what I'm saying? I mainlined the world in a hard way. I wanted to mainline God. I needed juice. I didn't need, I didn't need fog machines, skinny jeans, and singing kumbaya songs. You know what I'm saying? I, I needed something that was going to rock my freaking soul and light me up and turn me inside out and deliver me from a lot of bondages in my life. But I found when I got in that word and I started putting that word in me, I used to date the Bible for about three years. Every night, man, we had dates for about two hours a night. And man, don't ever underestimate seasons that might feel like a wilderness. Sometimes God will take you left before he takes you right. That will preach right there, by the way. Why? Because it's the seasons of silence that God turns into a library and a sanctuary. This is off cuff just for a minute. I'll get get to my thing. Many of you feel like you're in translation and you feel like you're left. You're not apropos. You're not in the middle of where you're called to be. You have a vision and an idea and a dream that you know you're going to end up somewhere, but you're in process. See, God's person always goes through God's process. He gives you a picture of your potential, right? He gives you a promise. He gives you a dream. It's a product of your desires. It's a picture of your, what you can do that you're not doing. But it's also a promise of your future. And then it's amazing. God gives you a promise. He sets you on fire. Then all of a sudden, you go left. He takes you left. The apostle Paul said, I was 11 years stuck in Arabia. Everybody remembers the Apostle Paul for writing 14 books of the New Testament. What a spiritual giant, changing nations, casting out demons. Come on, healing the sick, healing whole cities. But where did that all get built? On the left-hand side of life. Come on. Sometimes God will take you to the left so that one day he could take you right. The longer the left, the bigger the right. 
Some of you have been in a womb and a cocoon of obscurity, but you're about to shift. See, there was a moment God had prophetic word over Jesus. He would raise the dead, open the blind eyes. Could you imagine for 30 years watching humanity suffer and you got a call to do something about it, but you're on a hush. Your life's at a whisper. You're on the left right now. You're a carpenter, but you're called to be the Messiah. See, some of you are working menial jobs and God's paying attention because what you do on the left will determine how far you go on the right. Oh, this is good. Oh, come on. This is, let's just go. Yeah, whatever. Moses had 40 years left to go right. Joseph had 16 years left to go right. Because on the left, God takes you and it becomes a sanctuary and a library. Oh, there's a, there's a prophetic flow here. You all right? You cool? You cool? I can go traditional, praise God. You know that ain't gonna work for me. <laughs> I'm just doing my best not to cuss. Come on, somebody. <laughs> this should give every one of you hope. God takes shaky people, gives them sturdy projects. It becomes a sanctuary. The word sanctuary means an altar where God begins to work on the inside of you. If he wants to work through you, because who God is to you is who he'll be through you. And if you have a limited understanding of who he is, so he takes you left, so you get to learn his ways. It's not enough for you to know his acts. Sometimes you gotta learn his ways. Psalm 103.7, Moses said, God, he says, I knew your ways, the children of Israel only knew your acts. They never entered into the fullness of their destiny because they only knew about the miracles. They didn't get to know him. When you takes you left, he gets to know you. Many of you starts working inside you, your attitudes. Come on, somebody. How you show up. Do you show up and what kind of state you show up in your relationship? Are you showing up loving? Are you showing up kind? How you handling things? How you handling working beneath someone that you're more skilled to be on top of? How do you handle the pressure? How are you doing? How, you, how do you handle it when you're tempted? He's working all alter inside of your heart so he can discontinue some things. Because there's some things that got you here that ain't going to get you there. There's some things that if they kept, if you got them now and you carried them into the future, they'll sabotage and pervert the very place that God intends you to go. There's certain attitudes, so he starts working, and that's where we resist. God, I want all your blessings. Oh, my gosh, but don't work in my life. Don't confront my moodiness. Oh, my gosh, I love being moody to Earl in the morning. He don't get none unless he gives some. Come on, somebody. Come on, smile like you got three teeth. Just try it. You got 82 muscles in your face. You might as well use them. Release a little dopamine and feel good. A sanctuary where he starts to work on you, where he starts to purge things from your heart and your mind. God's working in you right now. See, there's things in your life. He's waiting for you to say, I want to let go of that to let go on this so I can have that. I'm going to discontinue that so I can have that. I'm going to discontinue that. There was attitudes in the Apostle Paul that he had to discard being in a wilderness season where the altar of his heart was built, where you learn to learn about God's ways. You learn about the way he functions and what he wants to do in and through your life, and he's working in you. He's working in your heart. He's working in your mind. He wants to do more in you than he wants to do through you. You were his greatest possession. That's why he purchased you with his own blood. He wanted you. If he could have memorialized his name on a block, he would have done that. But the Ten Commandments weren't enough. He wanted to put himself inside you. And he said, I want to memorialize myself in you. I want to work in you. I want to live in you. I want to abide in you. I want to do the impossible through you. 
See, that's where many of you get frustrated. You feel a big call on your life, but you look at where your obvious is right now. Oh, man, maybe I won't live the great life that I intended. Maybe I won't get to the destiny. Maybe I won't get to the problem. And God's trying to work on you and build a sanctuary to build an altar in your heart. A place where you're coming and say, hey, God, I want you to have my heart. I want to give you my mind. I want to give you my thoughts. And at the altar, you learn something. You get to learn about God's love for you. Most of you focus on your love for God. That's why you live weak lives. How do you know? Because I lived one. My focus is always on how much can I love God. As long as you do that, my faith goes up and down. So if I have a bad day, one day my faith's high, the next day it's weak. One day God wants to bless me, the next day that God wants to punish me. Am I talking to anybody? And once that condemnation gets into you that you're not enough, not performing enough, it steals your joy, steals your confidence, and you're a wreck. Your life and my life changes when you focus on how much God loves you because the altar of your heart starts to change. Watch. When I focus on how much God loves me, faith is easy. When I focus on how much I have to love God, my faith is hard. Let me say that one more time. When you focus on how much you love God, faith is hard. Peter said, I love you so much, I'll never go to the cross. I'll never deny you. He denied him three times. John the beloved just kept calling himself, I'm so loved by God. He even called himself the be loved. The more you focus on God's love for you, watch what happens. The more faithful you are to him. Could that be a cosmic shift in your relationship with him? Watch, in the sanctuary of your own life or the altar of your own life where you begin to really receive the love of God. You say, that's so elementary. Oh, my gosh. Really? Then why so many of us live tormented? Great question, for 1 John 4, 16. What are you doing with the love of God? It says, we've known and believed or received the love that God has for us. Are you receiving the love of God on a daily basis? People say, well, I know about God's love. I've heard about God's love. But imagine if you started saying, God, I thank you that your love's healing me. It's fixing me. It's renewing me, changing me. It's helping my family. It's helping me think right thoughts. The love is changing the way I engage with life. Because if you don't receive that love, how are you going to give that love? Jesus said you can't love other people to the degree only that you love yourself as you love yourself. How big is your as? Jesus said you can't love others only to the degree as you love yourself. And what I find is most people really don't like themselves. They reject themselves because they see themselves through their faults, flaws, fears, failures. What they've been through and they get locked. And so the sanctuary of their heart, the altar of their hearts gets on shutdown mode where it becomes even performance driven. Rather than letting God's love really work in me because if his love works in me, then when I get to where he wants to take me, I'm not looking for other people just to like me. I'm there to impart, to bless, and to do something, not to get status, but to live significant. It's a library. Not just a sanctuary, it's a library where you learn your lines. I remember when God called me, and maybe this has helped some people in here, when God called me, man, I was struggling. I was a baseball player, had tobacco problems, had cussing problems, had crazy thoughts, had beats in my head. Come on. One minute was Motley Crue, the other was Tupac. God said, I'm going to use you all over the world. You're going to change people's lives and speak to millions of people. You'll heal the sick rarely like very few people ever have. You'll open the eyes of the blind. The dead will be raised to you. A gift was given to you. God gave me a prophetic word, stirred me up. Then God took me to silence. He took me to a place where he started working in my heart. And I remember he started purging things. And I started loving the things that he loved, hating the things that he hated. 
It was a sanctuary. I started receiving love. I never, I always saw God through the lens of if I perform good enough, I'm going to have, you'll bless me enough. If I perform good enough, you'll bless me. My focus wasn't on how much God loved me, therefore I lived tormented by fear most of the time. I can help you real quickly because you experience anxiety or pressure on a daily basis. The word you stressed and distressed is the same amount of anxiety. Whether it becomes adrenaline or anxiety that disempowers you is based on the meaning you give to it. You stress and distress. Go look it up in the dictionary when you're done. If you understand that God loves you and you put a meaning on it, well, this is God's love working in me, it will change actually the stress's ability to function in your body as a powerful thing rather than as a weak thing. Many of you feel like, oh my gosh, the enemy's attacking my life. I have anxiety, I have pressure, therefore I can't do anything because the fear wants to paralyze you. But when you understand and receive that God has fresh dose of love for you today, that gives you the strength that I'm not what I feel, I'm what I decide, and it turns that anxiety Anxiety into adrenaline inside you. That's a really good thought. You with me here? Come on, watch. It's a sanctuary, but then it's a library. I felt God start working in me. Started working in me. I started fasting. I started praying. I started fasting. I started praying. I started choosing new people to get around to. Watch people that deepen you. They stir you. If I get around you, you stir me, Charles. You stir me. You deepen me. You ripen me. You talk to what's great inside of me, not what's weak inside of me. You get around people that want to pray, you start praying. You get around people that are positive. Come on. Some of us grew up in funky atmospheres. You need to get around positive people. Come on. We got Gulliver Travel family members. Come on. You'll never make it. Come on, like Scooby-Doo. You want to hide everywhere. Shaggy and Scooby. Everybody always hiding and freaking out. No, no, no. If you want to live a powerful life, you got to get powerful people. It's part of your sanctuary. If you walk with wise people, you become wise. You hang out with a fool, your life unravels, the scripture said. You'll suffer harm. I pity the fool, Mr. T used to say. Come on, I want to get around some wise people. It's part of your sanctuary, but then you get into your library. On the left-hand side of life, this is where many of you are. Because on the, on, the, on the library, you start learning your lines. You start learning principles. The principles of the left will keep you in the power of the right. What does that mean when you're, when, when you're in a library? For me, it meant like I need to start serving somewhere because Jesus said if you want to become great in my kingdom, maybe not in the world's kingdom, maybe not in Gavin Newsom's kingdom, maybe not in Joe Biden's kingdom, but if you want to be great in my kingdom, I want you to grab a towel and begin to serve. Jesus on the night, wait, check this out. Check, 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 check it out. Watch. Jesus said on the night that he was betrayed, people were turning their backs on him that he had loved to minister to. On that night, he could have chose to isolate himself, medicate himself, look at inventory, all the injustice done to him, when all he did was good. Instead, he took a flipping towel. Somebody give me a towel. Give me a towel. We should have one anyway because my head. I can't put that on my head. It's going to mess it up. Oh, that one's going to really mess it up. All right. That one will give me a pimple. This one will give me a black head. Come on, somebody. It don't matter. I'm pink anyway. Let's just go with it. Jesus took a towel. The greatest, the mightiest that raised the dead, that opened the eyes of the blind. He said, if you want to become great, let me show you a model where I make myself of no reputation. This will determine what I bring to you, Rex. If you can handle the the things I want to bring to you, can you catch my heart? My heart is not for you to try to impress people, but if I get my heart, that the goal is to serve people. 
to serve that. You want to pour yourself out for other people that they can live better than you. And don't think for a moment that ain't tested. Don't think for a moment that ain't tested because you aren't always want to feel like helping other people. You're not always want to feel it. How do you know? Because I got food poisoning all day yesterday and last night. I was sitting there holding the freaking porcelain thing. Come on. Nobody wants to get on a stage three times after they just sat there and did all that. But why, what do I care? What do I care? What do I care? Why do I care? Because I've been with him. When you're with him, you care about what he cares about. If you get with him in the morning, you'll serve people in the afternoon. If you're with him in the afternoon, you'll serve the people in the evening. If you get around him, you have a heart for other people. You can't get around him and not care. Jesus took a towel and he started washing the feet of the people that were betraying him. In other words, he was saying, he said, if you want to become great, you got to become a servant. you got to find a way to serve people, to pour yourself out for people. I look for people that are serving. See, greatness in my kingdom, God says, does not go on sale. It can't be bought. It can't just be prayed for. At some point, i got to have skin in the freaking game where I decide I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve somebody. I'm going to serve somebody. I'm going to serve. God's going to take back your gifting and anointing. Hollywood's tried to pervert so much gifting because they made it all about status, a symbol. Did I get enough likes? Were my jeans skinny enough? Oh, my gosh. Do enough people like me? Enough people adore me? Did I get 41 comments or 12? Oh, my gosh. You know why they chase celebrity? Because they don't know they're celebrated. You'll never become a servant until you understand how much you're loved. Then you can't help but want to serve other people with the love that God puts inside you. All of a sudden, I started serving in a little church. I started serving all the kids. One guy, one day, one day God had for me, and I'm going to say this not boastfully, millions upon millions of people I've been able to contact. Been in billionaires' homes, brought to the White House. I speak to the Senate this Thursday. I brought, all these things would be prepared one day. See, you're right around the corner. Someone's about to shift. The question is, are you going to be prepared? The, the lessons of the left will prepare you for the strength of the right. Some of you have been working a menial job, and God's got to break. Things are about to shift in front of your eyes. Some of you had ideas and dreams, but you're just working with funky people, and God's got a shift about to come. I feel I'm prophesying this to somebody. Things are about to change in your favor. God did not ask Noah to believe him a boat, to pray him a boat. He said, build me a flipping boat. I need you to get some skin and work your land. I want to challenge you. The call on your life's bigger than you. And other people are waiting on the other side of your obedience to it. This isn't just about you. The warfare against your life is because somebody needs your mess to become a message. They need your story to end up good. Somebody needs your pain to become their power. Am I willing to get my hands dirty? Driving down the road one day, I see a guy who's homeless. He didn't look too good. He had Cheetos in his hair and everything else. I felt the Lord say, stop and love him. God, you ain't checked my resume recently. You know, I, I got, I've done some cool stuff. I, I don't care about that. You willing to serve that guy? Go love him. He don't look like he's in his right mind. Well, I don't know. I created his mind. Just go love that guy. See, there's people that watch people in pain. They heal people in pain. 
watch, and then just ignore people in pain. I don't want to do either. I want to heal people in pain. I want to change people. I stopped over. I started talking to that guy. He could hardly talk very, very well. I go, hey, would you, uh, would you like me to go get you some food? And uh, he goes, yeah. And I go, well, you want me to go to Burger King for you? He goes, I love Burger King. He gave me a list of like 13 items. <laughs> How many know when you start serving people, it'll inconvenience you? And then your mood and your attitude will be checked. Your ego will be checked. Come on. But God, if you understand the process, he's trying to get greatness out of you. Woo. I went to Burger King and paid all this different money. I felt like the Lord said when I got back, hey, give him your shoes. I don't give him no shoes. <laughs> give him your shoes. They were brand new freaking Nikes. You know what I mean? I'm like, I ain't give him no shoes. And then, I, then the Lord said, give him your shoes and take on his shoes. His shoes, they had holes. They had dirt. They had food from like four days ago. I took off my shoes and I walked back to my car. And he said, you know, you're the most like me when you're doing that. You're the most like me when you're doing that. The guy goes, hey, are you a Christian? Are you one of those Jesus people? I never told them about the gospel. I didn't try to get them to recite a prayer in 30 minutes. They'll know you by your love, not trying to convince them to say a prayer. Come on, you powerful people. How much time I got left? Watch out, cool. Where This is going to be a cool ending. Are you guys enjoying this? Is this good for your soul? Okay, come on, watch. Come on. How many of you can see, come on, God's trying to work on me in the sanctuary and a little bit in the library. Come on, watch, in the library where you're a servant and also you're skilling up because a skilled person will stand before kings. I started serving other people. I'll get back to the story. I started serving other people that were further along than I was. I found anointed ministries, and I started giving money that I didn't have. Come on. I started believing God. If you could use them, you could use me. I started getting around them. Hey, can I carry your bag? Can I do something? It's kind of weird. Like, what do you, what do you even care about? Well, I just do that. Hey, if there's greatness in serving, I want to help somebody serve. Well, aren't you care what people are going to care? You're a professional baseball player. Now you're carrying someone's bag? No, no, no. I don't care because I'm not living for that opinion anymore. The opinion was poor was building a reputation about myself, but obsession with yourself is a dead end. Jesus said, if anybody wants to follow me, do I have anybody in here that still wants to follow him? Not just believe in him, follow him. Follow him. All the glory to him. He saved you, not you yourself. He healed you, not you yourself. He blesses you, not you yourself. He gives you life, not you yourself. Somebody's got to shift their satellite dish back to him. He says, if you want to follow me, deny yourself. Go low so you can go high. Say no to yourself. Just own yourself. That don't sound sexy. That don't sound good. That don't sound like, but in God's kingdom, it's upside down. If you go low, I'll take you high. Because promotion does not come from man. It comes from God. I say that to you because there's a prophetic word. The Lord says, I'm about in the month of October to elevate and provoke many of you in this room. The Lord says, I'm about to exalt your life service in the sight of man and God. For your stature before me is about to increase. For I will release financial provision in the month of October and July and November. You will see my hand of goodness. For there will 
will start to be tremors. Of there will be ideas and conversations, and there will I, I, I beg you to mark this down. A financial increase will begin to manifest itself in the early days of the month of October. For I'm shifting the financial forecast over your life. For the economy of the world will not own the economy of your bank account. For I am your provider, and as you trust me, watch what I do when I open my hand, and I shall supply, says the Lord. Give the Lord a clap and a shout. How much time I got left? All day, all day, all day. I, 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 watch. That guy, he says, hey, you're a Christian. I go, I'm a Jesus man. He goes, no, no, I can tell. You don't treat me like all the religious people do. All the religious people want me to say a prayer. Why'd you give me your shoes? Because I said, I think you're about to step into a brand new walk. I think your life's about to become better. Because something happened. I'd spent time in John, in John 13 where Jesus said, if you want to become great, become a servant. It doesn't take the eyes of God to see what's wrong with people. It takes the eyes of God to see what's right with people. Because if you see what's wrong with people, you'll judge them and you'll equate yourself better than them. And that's called pride. Ooh. It takes the eyes of God. Watch, and if you judge people, how the heck are you going to influence people? You've already disqualified your power because you've already registered them in your mind that they're not, they're less than you. They're beneath you. Come on, somebody. But when you put a tent on someone's head, when you understand how much God loves you, and you say, God, help me to see them through the lens of love, that changes the way you engage. Those are some of the lessons on the left that prepare you for the right. Let me give you an idea real quick. Is there a couple of options? Watch this. Do you know that there's two words in the New Testament that change the whole game? Accident 927, but Barnabas. Who's Barnabas? He never wrote a book. You only hear a couple verses of his life. He's a man full of faith, full of power, and he did some incredible things. But two words changed the whole New Testament. The Apostle Paul wrote, I think, uh, 14 books of the New Testament, 13. And this guy, Apostle Paul, when he got born again, got shot off, his, knocked off his horse. All the other disciples rejected him. They didn't want nothing to do with him because they were afraid. It would be like Charles Manson getting saved today. And say, man, Charlie got saved. In Char Come on, in prison. Man, and then I brought him to Pastor John. He cast all the demons out of him. Hey, guys, Charlie's with us today in church. Come on, some of you be happy, some of you be nervous. He's been radically touched and delivered and set free. Hey, we need one of the loving families in here in Awakened Church. Does anybody have an extra room? Charlie has no place to stay. Come on, some of you be doing the sign of the cross like, oh, heck no. I get thee behind me. <laughs> All the other disciples rejected him. There's a reason I'm saying this. Because your rejection is repositioning you into a right direction. Watch. Barnabas came across this guy and saw the potential of God in him and knew that he needed to take him and pour life into him and love into him and form Christ into him. He took him 11 years. He didn't go by himself. Barnabas took him for 11 years and just started speaking Jesus into him. He started teaching about the love of God. Love bears all things. Believes the best of every person. It keeps no record of wrong. Nothing shall separate you from the love of God. You're more than a conqueror. You're doing all this. He has no book. He has no status in the eyes of most people. But one guy took another guy and started pouring the love of God into him and started prophesying life, ability, and potential and who he could be in God. That man went on to write 14 books of the New Testament. He saw himself as, I'm a servant of other people. Every one of you influences somebody else. There's people that are starving for your love. 
Apostle Paul became a big figure. John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark, started off with Apostle Paul, but Apostle Paul got a little ego. He goes, I don't got room for this guy. He's got too much doubt, too much skepticism. One minute he's up, one minute he's down. And he forgot other people that they, that they were at a lower level than maybe he was spiritually. And so he wrote him off and says, ah, you can go back home. Barnabas, it says, came to blows with the Apostle Paul. He goes, how can you do that to him when I did that for you? I took you on when nobody else wanted you. How can you discard him? And he says, give him to me. Barnabas took John Mark, took him aside for two years and started prophesying as a son of encouragement. You are a child of God. You are love. You are more than a conqueror. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. By Jesus' stripes, you are healed. God has given you a spirit of power, love, and a sound. That wasn't all the Apostle Paul. Most of that was Barnabas speaking into the Apostle Paul. There's an unnamed guy who gets not a lot of attention, but he is responsible for 14 books of the New Testament. You would have never had the Gospel of Mark had not one man loved himself with the love of God and saw the love of God and spoke it and served it in to somebody else, you would have never had the book of Mark. You would have never had Corinthians. You would have never had Ephesians. You would have never had Philippians. Because it took one guy who received the love of God and decided to serve it into somebody else that most people had disqualified. Quit giving up on other people. Come on. You got family members. You got friends. The love of God is big enough. The love of God needs you. The love of God needs your voice. It needs your mouth. Come on, the love of God needs your hands. Watch this. I got to end. Watch. I got to end. Watch. Watch. How many are getting something good out of here? Hey, look, look, look. How many feel like I could be a Barnabas to somebody? How many know somebody needs your voice? Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe it's a brother. Maybe it's somebody strung out on crack. That homie that I met on the side of the road that I gave my shoes to. I gave him my number. He found a payphone and said, hey, can I go to church with you? I never invited him. He goes, you just make me feel good. Yeah, he came to church a bunch of times and would fall asleep the whole church service. But then people got used to the guy with the Cheetos in his hair coming. Come on. Most people avoided him because he smelled bad. He looked bad. But God had something in his heart he loved. It doesn't take the eyes of God to see what's right, what's uh, wrong with somebody. See what's right when there is a lot of wrong. Watch how powerful. One day I went there. He sat in the very back, smelling like usual. People kept their distance. But good old Henry woke up. True story. He woke up just in time for a guy by the name of Luke Barnett, who's now the pastor of, he's like our related somehow to the Jurgens. To your Jurgens. Matesius is Jurgen, I love you. And he woke up in time and Luke Barnett said, there's somebody here that needs to give their heart to Jesus. He shot up and put his hand in the air. He goes, I'll walk to the front. Gave his life to Jesus and within 48 hours he slipped into eternity. Don't underestimate the moment you have right now. He who wins souls is wise. If you're going to become wise, if we are, this is a challenge for Rex Crane. I get off this stage. I got to go put on clothes like you do, take all the sweaty ones off. I'm going to go and put my head on a pillow for a little bit, take a nap. But then how am I going to treat people? How am I going to treat the Holy Spirit in people? God is watching these seasons of the left to prepare me for where he's taking me and you on the seasons of the right. The question is, will I be prepared when God opens that door? Watch, I got to end with this. Watch, I end with this. 
One of the lessons, sorry for throwing the Bible. One of the, one of the lessons that I learned, this is, stay, 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 one of the lessons I learned on the left was I had authority, had power to rule over the works of the enemy. I started reading scriptures like, God gave me a spirit of power. Touch the person next to you say, God gave you a spirit of power. Don't act poe. Come on, say, don't act poe. Come on, not poor, that's too white. Come on, say poe. You all like that, come on, that's good. There ain't no race theory here, come on. We're all bought by the blood. Love made us. Love made pink people, white people, black people, brown people. Come on. Love, love's enough. I just hate that stupid stuff. People try to divide us. Hell, no, they ain't dividing us. Love unites us. God's love unites us. Equal value. I love it. That just makes me feel good to say that. I started learning about authority, that I had power because of God's love over the power of the enemy. I want to challenge you because many of you are facing thoughts that do not give you a hope and a future. They only reduce you to who you were in your past. See, it's not who you are that holds you back. It's who you think you're not. If you can misdiagnose yourself, you mistreat yourself. But when you understand that God's love gives you authority to drive out evil and darkness out of your life, you'll not tolerate it. You'll be aggressive toward it. So I started studying the scriptures. You'll like this, you powerhouse. I think we're probably family members. We just don't know it yet. Come stand with me, in fact. I want you around me. Is that okay? I want to ask your husband. You're like a fan favorite. Oh, you're the famous Kracha. There's stories about you. It's all good. And it's the reason why I'm bringing it. It's the perfect reason why I bring it. Because you carry authority. You carry weight in the spirit world. Watch how cool this is. I started learning on the seasons of the left. Jesus started teaching me that I could win the battle in my mind. That I didn't have to accept every thought that came in my head. That I didn't have to tolerate every feeling of lust, every feeling of anger, every feeling of bitterness, every thought of betrayal, every thought of denial. I'm just using thoughts that you think in your head. Every thought of I'll just do my own thing. Every thought of God, why didn't you come through for me? I started learning that I could take those thoughts captive and use the authority of Christ and his word and his name and submit to God and resist the enemy. And I came across a scripture, Luke chapter 10, verse 17 through 21. Pay attention, it's almost done. It says that Jesus had his disciples go out. He had crybaby John, stealing Judas, come on. Computer nerd Andrew. Thomas that needs a Xanax. Come on, somebody, because he's doubting so much. It should give you a lot of hope. <laughs> and it says they went out in Jesus' name, and they cast out demons, and they heal people. They touch people. And Jesus said, uh, they came back, and they go, Jesus, all the demons submit to us when we use your name. And he goes, man, I watched Satan fall like lightning from heaven. His kingdom go down. And then he makes a promise. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power, over all, not some, all the power of the enemy. Nothing, nothing, nothing shall by any means harm you. Watch. But Jesus says, don't get it twisted. Don't get on a power trip. Don't rejoice that all the demons submit to you. Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. 
If your name is not written in heaven, make sure by the end of this day, because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Eternity's a breath away. It won't be what man says about your life. It's what God says about your life. But in that next verse, it's awesome. This is going to help you, because Kracha, because you're, you're a world shaker. I can feel this. You carry something. You carry a sword. Like Shakespeare said, my voice is my sword. You carry a sword. <laughs> I know you do. I can feel it. it. Takes one to know one. I had so much rejection, so many bad hits, so much shame, so much crap that I dealt with, and it drove me to a desert. It drove me to a wilderness where I even needed a secondhand revelation of God. I had to touch God. I needed a power encounter with God so I could release power. So the, st the strength of the left will give you the strength of the right. When these disciples came back, they go, man, Jesus, we did all this. Rejoice, your name's in heaven. And then he says, in that hour, it says, Jesus began to rejoice. That's a trippy way of thinking about Jesus. He rejoiced. These disciples came back from doing all these good works in his name, and they go, in that hour rejoicing, what the word rejoice means, this might shock your picture of Jesus. You can go look it up for yourself. It means to rejoice means to jump, dance, shout, and spin. Many of you have never thought of Jesus that way, true? Come on, most of you think of Jesus with a lamb underneath his arm, come on. A stained glass window, come on. Wherever you from, come on. You might have the African Bible, you might have the Asian Bible, come on. You got an Asian Jesus, you got a black Jesus, you got a white Jesus, you got an Indian Jesus, everybody's got a different, you got a kid Jesus, a big Jesus, you got baby Jesus, come on, that was in the movie. You got a Catholic Jesus and Nacho Libre, come on, have you been baptized? I need to tell you about the Gospels and stuff. I love Jack Black, good guy, he's a good guy. Lord save him good guy he's a sweetie Jesus rejoiced and it shocked me what he was showing was every time that the people that I put my love and my power on they go and they do something in my name they serve in my name they love in my name they give an encouraging word to their children or somebody around in my name. They do stuff in my name. I watch Satan's kingdom come down, falling like lightning. I want to say this because many of you are active trying to touch people and you feel overlooked because you've not got promoted yet. You felt like you've been rejected and God's about to elevate your life service because he said every time that you go and you touch somebody, you help somebody, you heal somebody, you love somebody, I'm watching the enemy's kingdom come down. Let me tell you something. God is for you. He's working inside you. How many believe this today? How many believe this today? Come with me real quick. Close your eyes. Lift your hands. I'm three minutes over, so I have to cut this short. Say, Jesus, I receive your love. I want to be a sanctuary where you work in my heart, you work in my mind, you work in my family. I want it to be a library where I learn your ways, I learn your power, and you work through me what is impossible with man. Use me to leave a God impression. I choose to live by love to lead by love and to work in love my best days are in front of me I receive forgiveness from all my sins through your precious blood I renounce the devil 
and every evil work. I renounce premature death, sickness and disease, and the curse of hell. I declare over me and my family that we are blessed because of the precious blood of Jesus Christ. I am a new creation. Heaven is my home, and the Holy Spirit lives inside me. This will be the greatest week of my entire life because I'm walking with you, the living Jesus. Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me in your beautiful name. Now put your hands on your heart. In the name of Jesus, I command sickness and disease and infirmity to loose you and let you go. I command every bit of pain to be healed and reversed. Lord, I pray you would touch people's, uh, Lord, their mortal bodies, their lungs. I pray you would touch people's organs, their kidneys. I pray you would touch their heart valves. I pray you touch their stomachs. I pray in their stomach lining, people's colon, men's colon. There's 13 men's colons that are being healed. Lord, I pray you go into the soft lining and the tissue of the lining and bring healing, a creative miracle. I cancel every spirit of cancer. I cancel every spirit of cancer. In the authority of the name of Jesus, of who I represent, in his name, I command cancer, every, to every, every tumor to dissolve in the authority of the name of Jesus. And I pray our children who have any learning disabilities would be healed. I pray it would be reversed in the name of Jesus. Autoimmune deficiencies, autoimmune challenges would be reversed in the authority of the name of Jesus. And I command, I command every work of the enemy be broken off your life this day and that God's kingdom would flourish within you and without you. You'll be blessed coming in. You'll be more blessed going out. Blessed in the fruit of your hands. Blessed in the fruit of your mind. Blessed in the fruit of your body. Great days are ahead of you. And if you believe that, give the Lord a clap and a shout. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.